You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. In a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel, DC'd every comic book series, and Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. One cinematic universe. This is Jasper. And this is Randy. We watched two movies. Two movies chosen by our guest. We're joined today by special guest Dustin Smothers. This is Dustin. (laughs) <laughs> the metal mouth of Midwest <laughs> podcasting. I think that's what Jesse decided you'll be now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, to be uh, the the metal mouth of to be determined. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's good to be here. I've uh, I've enjoyed this concept uh, when you guys launched this. Probably what about six eight months ago? Yeah, yeah, like honestly, eight. Yeah, yeah. So it's cool to be here because this is right up my alley. I'm the type of guy that thinks Snowpiercer and Willy Wonka are related. So. I'm here for this, so I'm excited for this one. Snowpiercer and Willy Wonka. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Well, no, we can't. We don't have time to dive into that. But God, how could you throw that out and not have us? Woo, that's well, interesting. I see, that's one that I can't take credit for. There's another dude on YouTube that did it already, oh, okay. but it's like you got to check it out. Like I'll, I'll do, a, I'll do a plug for that because I have nothing to plug. Uh, but Snowpiercer and Willy Wonka are totally connected. Check it out. <laughs> Dustin, you've been on the Grolix podcast with us before. Was it just the once, or have you been on twice? Um, I know I was on once. We talked about Westworld, and then I, uh, I guess, yeah, that might have been it because. Oh no, Westworld, and then again, uh, talking about Cobra Kai. Yes, that was that's it. what yes. it was. Yes, so I've been on I've been on two Grolix bites episodes. Actually, I don't think I've ever been on Grolix proper. That last one you were on, I should have just titled that as a Grolix proper because it that's what we've been doing the first episode of Grolix of the month anyways just talking tv but now you're on the cinem- Grolix cinematic universe this is the other side this is the other yeah, side the of Grolix top tier of podcasting right here we're the co- cool side of Grolix well and it's a pleasure to meet Jasper I've been uh, we've followed each other for a little bit I accidentally unfollowed you last week when I did the purge but I figured it out really quick and refollowed you <laughs> I feel so lonely now <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited to have our first non-Grolix guest on Grolix Cinematic Universe. Dustin recommended, because I threw it to him, and also I appreciate you kind of stepping into into the episode last minute. It was just a couple days ago that I threw this at you. So awesome. And you recommended Big, but you weren't sure what to pair with it. And the first thing that came to my mind was Jack. And I was like, but maybe I can find something better. I couldn't. Jack is like, oh. seems the most fitting thematically to put with big. Right. So that's what yeah. we're going to be talking about. And we're going to do big first, right? Yep. So we have the 1988 Tom Hanks movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the overview is a young boy, Josh Baskin, makes a wish at a carnival machine to be big. He wakes up the following morning to find that it has been granted and his body has grown older overnight. But he is still the same 13-year-old boy inside. He's still the same boy. <laughs> now he must learn how to cope with the unfamiliar world of grown-ups, including getting a job and having his first romantic encounter with a woman. What will he find out about this strange world? The screenplay is Ann Spielberg. 
Uh, director is really? Penny Marshall. Yeah. Okay. Spielberg's sister. It was actually her and Gary Ross. Starring Tom Hanks, Elizabeth Perkins, Robert, I, I don't know how to say this guy's last name. Loja. Loja. Yeah, Robert okay. Loja. Robert Loja, John Hurd, Jared Rushton, and David Moscow. Also John Lovitz. And you said, yeah, in a tiny little bit. He's right. a like, bit part. And you bit. said it was directed by Penny Marshall? Yeah. Okay. So now, Dustin, you picked this. I'm assuming you'd seen this before. I'd seen this before. Jasper, had you seen this? I actually think I have. I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember the, the two big things I remember is the piano scene and when he shows her the apartment. Okay. I remember seeing those. So, Dustin, why did you choose Big? Well, it, it really boiled down to a few months ago. I was at Walmart, and it was in the $3.74 bin. And I said to myself, I need to get that because I need to show it to my son. Uh-huh. And because I thought he would get a kick out of the fact he's six, like who, what kid doesn't think about being big when they grow up. And I think that's why this movie really connects uh, with people, especially children, is that, you know, we all think that it's like glorious to be an adult, but you find out quickly that it's actually the worst. Um, sucks. <laughs> and, and so uh, it really boiled down to it was a movie that had been on my mind. I'd wanted to watch again for a while. And I said, hey, that's a. Uh, to me, that was my introduction to Tom Hanks, too, uh, back in 88. It's just a movie that I, I think uh, I wanted a reason to sit down and watch it. And then when you mentioned Jack, it was just like, yes, that is the ultimate pairing. Uh, both movies that I adore for a variety of reasons. You know, they're very close to my heart. One of them is a little sadder than the yeah, other. but That's uh, true. That's true. But I just, yeah, it has like such an iconic scene. You talk about the, the scene at FAO Schwartz and the piano and everything. I mean, even if you've never seen this movie, you've absolutely seen that scene. Yeah, this was a movie. This is one of those. Jasper pointed out that this came out the year he was born. So that tells you how old Jasper is. I actually, I don't know how old you are, Dustin, but I'm assuming Jasper's still the baby of the show. Yes, I, uh, I would have been five uh, when this movie came out. Oh, dang it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, me and Dustin are just about the same age. But this is a movie that ran on TV, um, like Super Saturday, Super Sunday, ran on TV yeah. on the weekends uh, nonstop. This and Breakfast Club and stuff like that, you know, those a lot of those 80s movies that just ran through the 90s on weekend. Um, so I've seen this multiple times, but it's been a long time, easily 15 more years yeah, since I would I'd seen this last. This was a refreshing watch. I was surprised by how quick it moves along, especially yeah. at the beginning. It doesn't waste time, like, getting into it. We get a little bit with... Um, What's his name? What's his character's name? The Tom Hanks character with the, oh, with Josh. Josh. We get a little bit with him as a kid, but it's not it's not overdone. It's like whatever he likes. He likes computers. He likes those horrible. Well, actually, that actually had pictures, but those old uh, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons style word computer uh, like text based computer games. Uh, yes. He does. He doesn't like taking out the trash. Whatever. He's a regular kid. And it doesn't really dwell in that area too long before it gets to the point. But the main thing that really surprised me on this takeaway is, and I'm not saying it's not funny, but how much of it is played straight and seriously versus like an outright comedy. Like I was remembering more of a, you know, I was expecting more of a, not a screwball comedy, but more comedic moments and they're there, but it's a pretty fair balance of you know it's kind of comedic but also kind of serious i think that's the thing about 80s movies though is like they had heart even the comedies had heart whereas today it is just non-stop laughs slapstick humor the 80s 
there, I, I watch movies from that era and I find myself wondering why movies today don't have the same amount of substance. Mm-hmm. What did, what was your impressions of this Jasper? I really liked this one because it was weird watching him go from a kid to an adult and me watching, I was like, man, I kind of want to go from an adult to a kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> like you kind of like watch it through that perspective the whole time. But I like how he's like, you know, he's got the mind of a child and that's how he's going through the toy company real mm-hmm. fast. But I, I really liked it. I liked how kind of it was paced and like you guys said, it had that heart into it. But I I really liked this one. It was it was really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing that yes. uh, absolutely stood out to me this, this time watching it. Because like you, Randy, I haven't probably seen it since I was a teenager. Uh, so, you know, maybe early 20s at best. Um, my sensibilities have changed and the way I think about things have changed. And boy, that I find myself questioning things like, wow, wonder mentally what this would have done to Elizabeth Perkins character <laughs> to, to, to fall for a 13 year old and find out that he's a 13 year old in a 30 year old's body. Uh, what like, like the legality of the situation, like, is that uh, borderline child abuse? <laughs> At what point all these questions I have. Uh, things I would have never thought about when I was a kid. And maybe that's why movies felt like they had more heart back then is because uh, you didn't overthink it. But one thing that did stand out was that the friend Billy drops the F-bomb. And this movie's rated PG. Thir- uh, PG. <laughs> like, that's how different times have changed. Like Those are the things I noticed when I watched these movies from the, the 80s. The standard F-bomb or the really offensive F-bomb? It was just uh, the standard F-bomb, right? Yeah, he just okay. says F you, I think, to okay. like he yells F you to Josh at one point. Yeah, he like, says Whoa. he says, Who the F do you think you are? Yeah. Oh, interesting. It. I yeah. Did, that didn't even register. The the other F bomb, the one that since <laughs> since we started doing this, and uh it's not all eighties movies, but we've watched a lot of eighties movies, is the super offensive F bomb tends to hit like it's in all the eighties movies. So I was kind of like, even the kids' movies, especially the kids' movies, because back in the day, people, you know, the homophobic F-bomb. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And back in the day, especially, you know, 80s movies and kids' movies, you know, they, the boys would call each other that all the time. I had an I interesting discussion in with some people. Um, yeah, that wasn't in this at all. But there's the use of it in uh, movies today that take place in the 80s. And how I feel about that, you know, and it's like I would give a I would give a pass to the movie Big if they dropped that f bomb, but if they remade Big today and it was set in the eighties, they would not get a pass for that. And I think that's uh, something that I accept a lot about cinema and pop culture from a bygone era is that it's going to have moments that may make you uneasy if you place today's sensibilities on them. And obviously, we've come a long ways as a society uh, since these things were made, but it's, it's still weird to hear the F bomb in a PG movie. Like you would never hear that today. That thing would be rated R instantly. It's kind of interesting. We've, this has come up, um, maybe twice in the, I want to say the last year on, on regular Grolix on Grolix prime, as we call it behind the scenes, stranger things, they had a character drop the F bomb, but it was not the like eighties casual F bomb. It was obviously a character. I mean, it's still not necessarily necessary, but he's not a, supposed to be a likable character. But we also read a comic book that took place in the 80s in which one of the main characters uses it as an insult to some other characters. And this is one of our main characters. And so it's kind of period appropriate. But at the same time, it's like not it's like, ooh, like I get it, but it's not really necessary. And even though they had another character 
who was a little bit more woke and commented on it. But is it necessary if if you're just trying to emulate uh, a work from that piece or from that time period? Anyway. I say absolutely not. Like, I don't think it is at all. Like, I think you can be more creative than that. And, you know, you're not you're not tarnishing the the legacy of a, a generation by <laughs> by not using a certain slang that was considered to some less offensive. And, and I think that's the key is that it was always offensive to some people, but those yeah. people just didn't have a voice in the 80s. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a thing that needs to have there needs to be a reason. Like mm-hmm. that sounds ridiculous, but you know what I mean? There needs to be yeah. a valid story reason to justify it. Otherwise it's just, it's just it shock is, value. Yeah. Okay. Sorry for that aside, but no, this, it was not in big. That's seriously one of the things that goes through my mind now when I started eighties movie and I'm like, I hope it's not, I hope it's not. Don't, don't be in big. It's in RoboCop. It's in monster squad. It's in all of it. Like you just don't be in big, you know, <laughs> you know what isn't big though? Zoltar. Mm. And when I was a kid, I was obsessed with those machines. Like I thought it was the coolest, uh, this like story, uh, fortune teller, like totally, if anything, that Zoltar would be the thing that wouldn't be appropriate today. Like that probably is playing on a stereotype of, uh, of, of, a, of a nationality there. But I, I thought the machine was cool. And I wanted one when I was a kid, like anytime we were on a boardwalk or on vacation, I saw one, I had to put a quarter in it. I really like how creepy it makes it. The movie makes it. How creepy it, his first encounter with it, the sound when it opens its mouth, the fact that its eyes are just straight red, like red yeah. light. I just like how creepy that whole thing is. And something that it didn't occur to me till a little bit later in the movie, once you see Josh's character start to turn, which is interestingly right after he, right after he gets laid, he starts to act more like an adult. <laughs> I thought that was kind of. You mean when he was statutorily raped? No, I'm sorry. I mean, so now you couldn't help. Uh, we can no, we movie. can dive into that more because that is something like I really that was the most perplexing thing to me. Watch on this rewatch, but before that, I want to say, really something I didn't realize is this is just an extended Twilight Zone. This is totally a sure. Twilight Zone episode because I mean, if it was just like he's a kid and maybe he'll learn a lesson, blah blah blah, but it's it's specifically living in the world as an adult, he starts to become more of an adult. He starts like, he's too busy to hang out with his friend. I'm like, this is handled very much like a Twilight Zone would handle this exact type uh, scenario. And that's always a good thing for me. I'm always a fan of that. Speaking of the things that stuck out to me on this rewatch, one, as far as his family knows, he was kidnapped and held hostage somewhere. <laughs> and may I don't know if it occurred to me when I was a kid watching this, but how horrible... That would be for his parents, and the movie puts no attention to that at all. Like I, I was expecting at any point for it to cut back to his parents' house, and his mom's just weeping because that's what she would be doing. And I'm like, right. this is a horrible thing that he's actually. Well, he didn't know it was really going to happen, but it's a horrible thing that he's doing. And then he writes these letters, and it's supposed to like make. I understand his logic. He's trying to make them feel better because he's still gone. But the letters are basically like, I'm being held hostage. And you know what? It's okay. It's like brainwashing <laughs> hostage letter. It's crazy. It's okay. I have Stockholm Syndrome. No problem. Thanks, Mom and Dad. See you soon. It's like a camp. It's fun. I even get outside sometimes. It's like, oh, man. I don't know I how much better now. that makes my, them feel. I got to go now, Mom. My uh, my daily programming is, is right here now. I have to leave. <laughs> yep. Oh, and I guess the other thing watching this that made me feel old was the trampoline scene. I was so nervous 
There's these huge <laughs> windows. The trampoline's right against these row of windows. And I'm just like, somebody's going to die. They're going to fly through one of those massive windows and plummet to their death. This, if this they is made so them, dangerous. This is how it should have ended. <laughs> yeah. They both go flying to their death out the window for sure. My adult moment for this, like my adult thinking was when he turns back into a kid who like finished his lease for his apartment, you know, like, like, like who, <laughs> why didn't he have it. a U-Haul truck, all that cool stuff over to his parents' right. house. No kidding. I mean, he still bought that, right? Is. Like yeah. he could go over and go pick it up sometime, but he just have to explain how the, where it came from. <laughs> I got this from camp. <laughs> I, that lady has to feel so like, so weird, especially even if she just thought maybe he was crazy, even after in the movie that she kind of had, like bought into it, you could tell on her face that it didn't really honestly become reality until she watched him turn it back into a child. Right. But you made yeah. a, you had a good she point. She gets like, out of there. What quick. does that do? You to know, her? She does oh, not yeah. want to meet his parents. <laughs> and on the one hand, it's oh, I'm so conflicted about the the relationship aspect because it kind of works. I like her performance in that. I kind of like I kind of get invested a little bit, but more from her point of view, where she's just like obviously into this guy, and it's going to go bad for her. At some point, it has to. But also, like she probably should have been into this guy. Like I get the whole, and both of these movies do this. The whole like, I mean, listen, if women were into guys because they were because of their childlike innocence, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't buy into that. <laughs> Well, yeah, because like you want to feel sorry for her, but then she also was attracted to a, a, a thirty year old to her with the mental capabilities of a thirteen year old. That's exactly like, it. It's sort of she, on her. <laughs> she should have recognized that if anything, he's developed developmentally challenged. Yeah. Oh. Well, and, and and honestly, like I, I'm sitting there throughout the movie, and obviously I kind of alluded to it, like I, you know, for the first time ever, I'm watching this movie, both of these movies, and questioning whether like. Yeah, should uh, Elizabeth Perkins and Fran Drescher's characters be talked to by the police? Probably. <laughs> like, but you know, when she, I, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt until she says, uh, "You know, you should keep my number and get a hold of me in ten years." That's creepy. <laughs> That's that is when it becomes. <laughs> that actually made me chuckle a little bit, but that is when it goes straight into predator like child predator <laughs> <Yeah>. territory <laughs> well it's, it's like cute a, when she even goes to give him a kiss but then he goes for the lips and she goes for the forehead but she's like stroking his ear all weird and it's just like oh like mm-hmm. you know he's 13 <laughs> like why are you driving him home i'd get out of there i have a feeling this relationship is going to set her up to put herself into very questionable relationships in the future <laughs> Well, here's where I tie this into a TV show. I kind of teased you guys. And this isn't what we came here for, but I got to throw this out there. Okay. Elizabeth Perkins' character after this becomes insanely, uh, just absolutely mentally distraught, moves to California, gets addicted to Xanax and Quaaludes, and becomes Celia Hodes in Weeds. And she gets into drugs, <laughs> oh alcohol. God. And this is all why the that, that big is a prequel to Weeds. Boom. Just going <laughs> to... <laughs> nice nice wow that is that's that's good that is not a connection i would have made <laughs> i just couldn't help it as soon as i realized it was celia hodes my brain started like wandering because i never made that connection that she was in this because it's one of those movies that she was i didn't really know her uh, back then but you know obviously i'm a huge fan of the show weed and so the first thing i was like oh it's celia <laughs> 
And uh, Peter McAllister's in this movie as well. Yep. <laughs> Peter McAllister. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Rest he, in peace, John Hurd. <laughs> he is, but I just clicked that you used his overload name. Um, <laughs> I, I liked Robert Loja. Yes. I don't know. Robert Loja is good, but it's also good to see him in such like a, he's such a, like, even though he's the boss, like it's such a friendly role. And yeah. you know, so often he'll play kind of like the tough guy kind of, or some, or a kind of a scary character, intimidating character. And yeah, no, like I kind of buy, see, there's aspects of this. I, I buy there's, there's some stuff where you have to take, you have to just roll with it. It's like, okay. They hire him even though, like, there's no way that social security number matches up with anybody. That, you know, <laughs> you're missing that, a couple numbers here. He's well, like, uh, twelve. <laughs> what? Okay, and just stuff like that. Like, you overlook that, but there's certain things that I think works. Like, I kind of, given what they've they gave us for as Robert Loja's character, I kind of buy that he'd be like into this dude, and it's just like, yeah, this will be your job now. You're great. You're giving us great ideas. Like. I buy all that. I think that stuff works. I do like the the character arc that they put Josh through of like he's starting he's acting less and less like a kid because he's not in that world as much. I, I think it's a uh, a narrative piece that really hits home for adults. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen Christopher Robin that recently came out. Like it's it's a story that can constantly be retold. The idea of losing your innocence and and growing up and and losing your childhood, you know like imagination uh, and what that does to you as an adult and trying to remind you to never let go of that and always be creatively thinking or using your imagination for those roles. And I think that's, that's what makes this movie work is that everybody can relate to some aspect of Josh's story. And I'm sorry, Jasper, do you have anything else? No, I was okay. I just make sure you had a, you had a between me and Dustin. I know if you had something to say, I know it would be difficult to put it in there. So I just wanted to give you opportunity (laughs) No, I'm good. Nothing? All right. It's, it's the Randy and Justin <laughs> like show a, for the next like hour. <laughs> kill switch on the on the modules. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay, so. your mic's off now. <laughs> no. Um visually and stuff, I think the movie looks okay. It's not the most stunning, but it's just it's kind of like, you know, it's it's what it needs to be. It's what it needs to be. I like the look of his neighborhood, his childhood neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's not a whole lot I can say on that. It's just I even I commented that the carnival. I said I've never been to a carnival like that. Like carnivals always look so cool in movies. They look clean and bright and fun. But when you go to a real carnival in real life, it stinks. The people smell like cabbage and the games are rigged and like there's people smoking cigarettes and hawking loogies everywhere. Like it's uh-huh. not it's not <laughs> nice. So uh that to me was it just it felt good like that carnival like that's a, an inviting place and then the way they contrasted that with the Zoltar machine in the dark corner, I, I thought was brilliant. <laughs> that wasn't plugged in. People smell right. like cabbage. That guy. They smell like cabbage. You like that? Huh? <laughs> He's been losing it over here since you said that. <laughs> Tiny hands smell like cabbage. Like cabbage. <laughs> Carny folk. John Lovitz. We gotta throw some some love towards John Lovitz. Probably one of his first. I, I I can't think of anything he was in really before this. He's just there because he's John Lovitz as a little side character. His character does nothing. I mean, his character. There's no reason for it. I mean, he's whatever. He's just there. He's there for a couple gags, right, and to get some reaction. I guess shots to to Josh in the workplace. But would he have? Oh, I guess sorry. Three. I looked it up really quick. I guess Three Amigos. He was in. 
um, before that. But I mean, this is like just post Saturday Night Live. John Lovitz, probably. That's a good point. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm Googling as we speak. Uh, 85 to 92, he was on SNL. So, yeah. But it was a, you know, this is still when it was a big deal. When being a TV actor was not quite as respected as a film actor. So if they yeah. could get into films, it was kind of a big deal. Whereas now it doesn't matter. Everybody just, you know. Superman's doing a TV show, you know. what's <laughs> It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, exactly. I did laugh at that scene, though, because how he already knows what to do. Which scene? The, where he's talking to John Lovitz, and he's just already... Oh, and yeah, Lovitz is like, slow down. You're trying to get us all fired? Yeah. He's like, I do this in school. I do have a couple other comments, but I'm going to... And I try not to I try not to compare the movies too much when we do this, although it, it inevitably happens anyway. But I definitely have some comparisons to make once we get into talking about Jack that I guess I'll touch a little bit more on Tom Hanks's actual performance. But I, I thought his Tom Hanks's performance was pretty good in this. He sells it well, for sure. Well, I think it's it's a tall order if you're gonna try to compare Tom Hanks' portrayal of a child to Robin Williams' portrayal as a child, because I mean, Robin Williams, if there was ever a, a role made for Robin Williams, it's that of Jack. I don't disagree, but I have some heavy criticisms that I can't wait. Yeah, I do. I do. I have some heavy criticisms, which is actually surprises me because it's not something I recalled thinking when I first watched that watched Jack. All right. Well, do we want to do some star ratings on this on this big? Yeah. Ooh, ooh I'm where's, not sure. Where's Randy at? Ooh, what do you guys do sure. out, of, out of five? Is five the high? Yeah, five is the high. Okay. And you know, and you can do half stars. Don't try to pull a Jasper and be like 2.8. Nope. Nope. <laughs> you give me a 2.8, I'm going to rate it. I'm going to mark it down as a three. Once. I tried that once. You tried that more than once. <laughs> it was it was 2.9. 2.9. So close to a three. Yeah. Well, oh, but the one little tip of the point is not gold. Yeah. That's his reasoning he gave me. <laughs> <laughs> I really just wanted to see you make a star with a little I'm not going to do that. Things. It was a pain to program in to get the five star system to work right. I'm oh. not doing a point nine. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> okay. That's a good try. It was a valiant effort on my part. Well, Jasper, I'm honestly, I'm still like in my debating. Like I haven't marked it on letterbox, so I haven't set a concrete star number down. So I'm going to throw it to you first, Jasper, because I know you have given this a rating. What are your what, what's your yeah, final thoughts? So I gave it rating? I gave it four out of five. Ooh. Um I liked the overall story arc. I thought it was well done. I think Tom Hanks did did a very good version of a older kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that um the boss actually was what really sold me to this movie because like how he kinda he runs into him and usually that's in the older movie it was like the he like turns into an animal. Uh-huh. But he's like, Oh, you know, I like a little hustle and then walks off. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, and then the piano scene was the. It's like I said, it was just a well done movie all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four out of five. I I supremely enjoyed watching Robert Loja actually do that piece with with yeah. Tom Hanks there, dance out that little song on the keyboard. Awesome. Robert Robert Loja really reminded me of like the Santa Claus and Thir- Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. He was just like a whimsical old man, yeah. sort of that like. Yeah. It just he had that vibe, and so yeah, that's like he's a standout to this. I would give it a three point five. I will. Uh, I won't. I won't go over four uh, just because it is. Uh, I think 
it's lacking in a few things uh, where I think as an adult, I overthink things now and I expect a little bit more. Uh, but Tom Hanks' performance is great. But honestly, like seeing Elizabeth Perkins in something else was interesting. And so um, if I were to give it a, like a, an MVP award, I would give it to Elizabeth Perkins uh, because I think she plays that last 30 minutes really well. She is very uh, torn in how she should really feel about this. And so, yeah, I, I would say three, 3.5. All right. Um, I'm really torn between the two. Like I've really, uh, the whole time I'm like, should I give it four? I don't know if it should be four, but maybe you normally, I know normally I come to the show and I know I'm going to have to go. I'm going to go 3.5 as well because I think Dustin's right. It's lacking a couple things. There's a couple things that are underdeveloped. Like I think after a certain point and I get that this kind of, this is a reflection of how the the kid's supposed to be feeling maybe a little bit, but after a certain point, once he gets in, once Josh gets into like working and doing the job thing, the, the little, the subplot with his buddy, that little arc kind of falls off the map until his buddy shows up and is like, it goes from zero to 60 on that, on their relationship of like, you know, he comes and hangs out all the time. And then all of a sudden he's just not there for a big chunk of the movie. And then he's mm-hmm. mad because he's, you know, I don't know. It's just, that feels a little, a little weak. Also, while I like her character, what did you say her name was? Elizabeth Perkins. Her name is yeah. Susan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Elizabeth Elizabeth Perkins. Susan, I, I don't know that I buy her as a real person falling for this guy. I understand the idea of it, but in the reality of it, he does seem challenged. And I <laughs> don't know if I could, if I really buy her fully, like, Committing to it, like I don't know the early stages. I understand it kind of seems like maybe she's just—it's like McAllister said, you know, she's working through the the chain, right? So yeah. I I kind of buy that maybe she would like try to go home with him and all that, get into that situation. But I think after that situation, I don't see her actually then following through with like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not gonna some something's weird with this guy. Well, I, th- I think this is like one of those situations where if we had more background on her character, I guarantee you like the writers and there was some stuff probably left out where she maybe had, you know, had given up the idea of a family. And, you know, maybe there's some, because you, you can see like there's a little bit of like almost she has a motherly reaction to him, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean, could gets even weirder when you start thinking about that she slept with him and all the stuff that happens. But I think there could be some sort of, you know, psychological issue there. Like maybe she has a little bit of arrested development, why she maybe latches on to somebody who's not quite emotionally capable of really sharing that side of the relationship with her. I don't know. I'm overthinking it, but you know, that's, I think what we're here to to do is like kind of think about the character motivations and it's just stuff that's probably never going to be confirmed. But that's what I took away from that character is that she's obviously emotionally disconnected as well man i'm really rethinking my 3.5 though i'm so torn (laughs) 3.75 no i can't do that (laughs) 3.9 um i think it's one of the first times i've rated a movie over you it might be no there will be another time Uh, yeah i'm gonna stick with it i'll go 3.5 i'm rethinking it so hard (laughs) are you sure i need to know this is the first time i've ever like been this conflicted on it Four stars. There we go. Four stars. There we go. Big. It's a classic. It's not perfect. So I'm not going higher than four stars, but it is supremely entertaining. It's not quite as funny as I remembered, but at being not as funny as I remembered, it's was still kept my interest. So it's the first time I've seen you question a star rating. Oh God. Like that was hard. 
<laughs> I've never done that. Uh, four stars. How many stars, though? Here's a question for both of you. How many stars would you have given it, though, if she would have turned into a kid and they would have, like, I wanted her to turn into a kid. I wanted her to make the wish. And it extended it for like another 30 minutes and told the story of them growing up. Oh, no, that would have been too much. That would have been too much. Well, I think that that obviously the next thing that would have happened, though, is a teenage pregnancy. They would have probably ended up with a a big issue there. Like a young teenage pregnancy. Would they have stopped messing around? No. (laughs) That's another thing. He's going to be a very advanced kid, so to speak. He's like, since you don't have boobs now, I'm not into you. (laughs) They break up. Oh, God. But... I did appreciate because they even like you know set that up. He's like, you could make a wish, and she's like, oh no, it was it was it was rough enough the first time. You know what I mean? And he's like, uh, she's like, oh, you don't know what I mean. I didn't realize this, but uh, Tom Hanks was nominated for best actor uh, at the Academy Awards for this, and they were also nominated for best original screenplay. And at one point, there was a television show in the works at Fox. As of like the last thing I can see of it is as of late 2015. What? It was still in pre-production. That recent? Wow. But I'm sure that's. I mean, it, it, we, there would be something about it if it was still going. I'm sure that that's something that got ditched. But the idea, like, there, there's a TV show there. I oh, think that could be kind of fun. There's definitely a TV show there. I have a feeling it would not be good. I don't know. TV now is so different. It seems very much like it. And you mentioned Fox. That seems like prime 90s Fox sitcom, but that would be terrible. But it seems perfect. Here's two pieces of trivia here. Okay. There's two other people that were looked into for the role of Josh. One was John Travolta, Mm. and the other one was Harrison Ford. (laughs) Oh, geez. Both would have tanked. Neither of those would have been as good as Tom Hanks. Not a chance. Robin Williams is also looked at, too. Travolta, I could see because he's just weird, and I could see anybody looking at him for a role. But Harrison Ford really got me. <laughs> yeah, I mean Harrison Ford used to be. If you think about like Indy, Indiana Jones and stuff, like, or or even as Han Solo, he, you know, he wasn't necessarily associated with such serious roles as maybe he is now. But yeah, I don't know, man. Tom Hanks is. It's big. Tom Hanks it's is be in Tom his sixties, right? Tom Hanks is in his sixties right now, and I still think he acts like he's a, a teenager. So, <laughs> like, it's just it just works. Tom Hanks has always had this like youthful exuberance. Where's big? Him. Where's big again? Let's see it. Right, <laughs> <laughs> big again. I want to be a senior citizen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow, we spent a lot of time on that. Let's move on. Let's move forward. Oh, there, yeah, sorry. What? There's another three. Bill Murray, Judge Reinhold, and Michael Keaton were all looked at for the role of Josh Baskin. I mean, that seems... Bill Murray would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been Dennis Quaid, good. apparently. It would have been a very he, different movie, he turned though. it down. I think if Bill Murray had done it, it would have been rated R, and we'd be doing Caddyshack and uh, Big. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's no kidding. All right. We're going to jump forward about eight years. Jack from 1996. The overview is Jack Powell suffers from an affliction that makes him grow four times faster than normal. So the 10-year-old looks like a 40-year-old man. After years of being tutored at home, Jack convinces his overprotective parents to send him to public school. The children don't know what to make of Jack, but with the help of his fifth grade teacher, he makes an... That puts her in so much bigger role than what it feels like she actually is, but whatever. 
<laughs> he he makes an effort to win them over. Screenplay by Gary Nadu uh, and James DeMonaco. I'm terrible with names. Which inexplicably directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Dude, you made you made Apocalypse Now in The Godfather. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, starring, of course, Robin Williams, Diane Lane, Brian Kerwin, J Lo, Cosby. This is the first movie in a long time I've watched with Cosby in it, so that was that's interesting. Fran Drescher, and you know some other people. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. It's interesting to watch something with with Jennifer Lopez from. I mean, it's ninety ninety six, but from when before. <sighs> She was big, but that's before she like took off. Was huge, yeah. yeah. Um, that's before she uh, became J Lo. Like that's the oh yeah. Because I I remember when she became like a pop star, mm-hmm. thinking like, why is the lady from Jack singing and dancing on the Grammys right now? <laughs> like, uh, this is the movie I always related her to. And there was another. I'm I'm trying to look it up. There was like another big movie she had. Selena is the, the one I always think of, where she played. The role of an actual another a, a pop singer, yeah. a real life pop singer who was who was murdered, um, Selena. I'm thinking of U-Turn. <laughs> oh, no, wait, really? Yeah, wait, no, 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 no. It's got George Clooney in it. That I think Out of Sight. That's the movie. Oh, Out of Sight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That seems like when she like really was skyrocketing. Like that's yeah. That's the that's the big initial liftoff. I think. Mm-hmm. So Jack. I had seen this back in nine. Well, let's see. It used to take a while for stuff to hit video, so I'm gonna say 1997, and I hadn't watched it again since since then. I had it dubbed off of HBO. Like that's I watched it a bunch because I would have been uh, 96. I would have been 13, uh, and I don't know. This movie just. I, I was at the time. Robin Williams was one of my favorite actors. Uh, I think that you know, just he was on a on a on a tear there. I think I'd even really like him to Goodwill Hunting around that time. Uh, so there's just a lot of things going where I was just drawn to him as an actor. But I probably watched this movie at least a dozen times when I was a teenager. How about you, Jasper? I've never seen this movie. You've never seen it. Had almost... you ever heard of it? Mm, I feel like I have, but not now. It's not a movie that gets talked about very often. Yeah, I can see. Um. <laughs> oh, this is going to be interesting. Okay, well, one of you guys, are you ready, Jasper? You seem like you're ready to start. What What do you think of this? Okay, so I I did like this movie in the sense that it was kind of like big, and and that kind of you know, or a kid that looks like a man trying to fit in as still a kid. Mm-hmm. But my only issue with this was it was very to me it was very slowly very slow to develop. Mm-hmm. And that I can't get over the fact that he's supposed to be 10, but he acts like four. That just, I couldn't get up off that. That, that I was like, this is just, why is it's like he's mentally challenged? And he's supposed, uh, just, I didn't get it. You, all right. Well, you 100% nailed one of, my, one of my larger issues with this. I don't remember it striking me this way when I watched it back in the day. And I, I agree with what Dustin was saying earlier is that Robin Williams is, like to play a kid, that's like it was. It's perfect. He does that very well. The problem is he, and I get that he was, you know, he was homeschooled. He didn't really have the experience out in the world, but he does seem like he's playing like a four or five year old when he's supposed to be ten. Like the other kids seem, they're all goofy, but they definitely seem 
way beyond him in terms of what the age they're supposed to be portraying. I will say that like, and I, it's not like I have a ton of experience with, with kids, but I mean, I would anticipate a little bit of lack of social development in Jack Powell when he would go to uh, elementary school for the first time. Uh, so I guess I've just always kind of cut some slack on that mm-hmm. regard because up until that day, the only person he'd ever played with was his mom. And so to, to drop a kid in that situation, I, 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 I could see them kind of being in that four to five to six year old like level of social interaction. And so I, and I think that that's one of the nice things is as the movie goes, he develops a little bit and, and does start kind of acting a little bit more like a 10 year old. And he lets loose and starts playing uh, and starts not worrying so much about who he is or you know what his, his uh, medical condition is. This is true. But I get it. It, it still bugs like, me, me a little bit. It still bugs me a little bit. There, and the, okay. But, but no, I'm not going to take over. Well, and okay, if your so therapist Justin, was Bill so, Cosby, you would probably be developmentally stunted as well. So. Man, Cosby, that guy. Oh, what an extra jerk. It's a Cosby sweater. <laughs> Don't learn about math and jello today. So what do you, what do you, <laughs> what are your overthought, all thoughts on this one, Dustin? Watching it back, uh, definitely not a good movie. Like, I will say that. Like, it's, it's not like what I would consider at all a, a movie worth your time today, but it still had the, the my member berries were tickled uh-huh. uh, when I went back and checked it out. Cause there's still scenes that, you know, are, are pretty special. I think what stands out to me the most about it and both these movies in a way is the, the childhood innocence of it, I think is nailed where the kids accept Jack. They kids are, uh, you know uh, what's the word i'm looking for here resilient they're not mm-hmm. weirded out by things if you go back to big and the way his mom reacts to him doesn't even you know want to hear it obviously for a variety of reasons but the kids his buddy billy quickly accepts it mm-hmm. and same thing in, in jack the kids accept jack and what i love is the end of the movie when jack feels he is shunned or doesn't belong and all the kids come back to the house to ask can jack come out to play the one by one I think there's just something magical about that that we don't see as much in movies. I think why Stranger Things is so popular is it kind of nailed childhood for me. And just, you know, mm-hmm. while I say it's still not a good movie, it's got a lot of issues. That's what still stood out to me and why I still think there's a place for Jack in my heart. It's because it is. It's it's a, it's a really heartwarming story about how kids are better than us as adults, usually. I was really conflicted while watching through this because – there's stuff that drives me crazy and and it's not even so much Robin Williams performance, but that whole aspect of it does bug me that like afterwards when I was thinking about it, I was like, wait, this just, that just doesn't seem right. But putting that aside, there are sections I like, I like the overprotective mom bit. I, I like Diane Lane in this quite a bit. I, I like that. She's goofy and like is as childlike as he is. So that's interesting relationship. The kids react to him fairly naturally because they are weirded out by him at first. Uh, some of them are kind of mean, but then once they all like, they accept him pretty quick and mm-hmm. it's all good. I, but then there's parts where it's so cringy and I get that. Like the whole thing is like, well, kids are cringy and they are, but there's, there's parts where it's like the kids are just so overly cringy and the whole basketball game is a perfect example. Like where the kids are like really start to, to to buy into him. Like, oh, okay, this guy's not so bad. 
that's a perfect example of of why I'm so torn on this movie because on the one hand it, it's fun and it is kind of like a little heartwarming and it's 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 a upbeat scene but on the other hand all the kids are reacting so cringy JLo's reacting so cringy and it's just a good example of like what works and what's not working for me mm-hmm. all at the same time <laughs> meshed together and or the or the treehouse which is fun over the top kids built that thing that's like a seven layer treehouse it's insane but like now, we do know that kids in the 80s and 90s were much more industrious than than the uh, millennial children of today <laughs> it's true they didn't necessarily have as many things to distract them they you know <laughs> that's one thing I've always noticed about the, you, you like Sam lot, all these movies with kids is like, they were so much more, uh, en- the engineering <laughs> children yeah. in the eighties and nineties were capable of far exceeds their capacity today. They played Minecraft in real life, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the treehouse is another thing. It's awesome. But then when they get up there, the stuff with the food I thought was humorous. Cause I'm like, kids would totally do that. And the fart stuff kids would do. But I hated it. Like they get up there and then it just goes into straight fart comedy. And I'm like, I get it. They're a bunch of 10 year olds, but oh God, come on, come on. Well, and I think there is something to be said about as, you know, being older, watching this movie as an adult, that it's weird. Like there's just, we've, we've now got this age disparity issue. And I think for me where it doesn't matter the story they're telling, it's still 40 year old Robin Williams up in a tree house doing fart jokes with 10 year olds. Hey Jack, you ever get a boner? (laughs) <laughs> I was like, dude, oh, where's this? No, where's this going? Stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I get chubby. it. 10 year old kids, 10 year old kids, you know, they'll say crazy things like that. But it's weird. I also like how the, when the treehouse falls, it, it falls straight down. Oh, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> just like hit that top part of the second part and then just fly out of the tree. I enjoyed that, but it's so like, again, it's the trampoline in the apartment where I enjoyed it and I'm like, I like. I even like how it's done. It looked ridiculous, but they went super cartoony. It's like because Cosby goes up there, and now there's two adults up there, and like it's too much weight, and the whole time it's creaking, and then it takes a butterfly landing on a twig that then moves over and hits the side, and that's what dis what the final straw. So it's super cartoony, and I enjoyed that. But at watching it, I'm like, they're all gonna get murdered in there. <laughs> no one's gonna survive that. Those kids come are out. alone in the treehouse with Cosby. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing. Cosby. <sighs> yeah, it was weird. This was too for me. Like the first time I've watched Bill Cosby uh, since. It's it's weird. It's kind of in that, uh, you know, watching an old episode of House of Cards and seeing Kevin Spacey. You're like, ugh. Because you know? <laughs> like, Cosby so, was so, you know, he was America's dad or whatever. Yeah. He was in so much kid-centric stuff because he's Bill Cosby. And now like, after all the stuff came out and he's just like a horrible person. And for the most part, it's like, it happens. You got to kind of divorce the character from the actor, but right. man, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's a, little, it's a little too fresh right now. Right. Right. I think, I think it's, I think it is. And I, and I think that does, it, it does it, it put the weird factor into this movie into a way that I hadn't anticipated I would have when I went back to watch it. And it's not like, it's not like he's making like, sex jokes or anything but you know whatever. luckily there's no scenes of him like making kool-aid for the children or anything serving fran drescher drinks or something right that'd be a bit much okay so let's okay so let's talk about because this, this is interesting i actually find jack handles the movie jack handles the same type of situation that big 
devotes a big chunk of its plot to. I kind of think Jack handles it better in that there's no relationship with Jack and Fran Drescher. Dress, mm-hmm. dress, Drescher, whatever. Drescher. Drescher. But there could have been, but she she recognizes like something weird about you. You're so childlike. I don't think I should be hitting you on you anymore. And it takes yeah. a little while before she gets to that point, but she gets to that point before anything happens. And the lady in big does not. So yeah. I kind of feel Fran like Fran Drescher doesn't ask to for to keep my number for 10 years, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hook up with you when you look 80. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Well, you know, watching big, I'm like, I did laugh when she, when she said that, but I'm like, you know, it would be a win for her because she'll be 10 years older and he'll still look, he'll look, he'll be look like him only even younger. He'll be 18 year old him. That's a win for her. Cougar, it, is, it really is. But like the cougar shouldn't start when they're 13. Right? <laughs> it's like if a cougar had a time machine is what yeah, happened there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just plotting them out, planning them. You, you, here you go. Here's my number. <laughs> Save it, honey. You won't know why. <laughs> I will say uh, Big had the best innuendo joke, though, of, of both movies is when she says, oh, you want to stay the night? He's like, yeah, but I got I get I get to be on top. <laughs> I get to be on, yep. Yep. <laughs> That's the best uh, of both movies. The best the sexual innuendo joke goes to Big. <laughs> OK, a little bit of comparison time then. And I get there is a big difference between 10 and 13, like in terms of age and maturity. But I feel like Tom Hanks the way the character's written and also performed, he's still a kid to a point where kind of like adults should maybe be a little put off by how immature this guy's acting. Right. But it handles situations like that. I think better than Jack where he's so a small child in his mentality, the bar Mm -hmm. fight scene, you know, where he's like, Oh, you cussed your mom's going to, I was like, really dude. Yeah. Really? No, the, the people, the people in big that don't connect it, are just dumb. Whereas I think the people in Jack who don't connect it are just holes. <laughs> like, that's a good point. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know if I can say that. I'll, I'll bleep it. It's cool. <laughs> cool. It sounds cooler when it's bleeped. I like it when it's bleeped. Well, I will say that it makes me sound street smart, but also one thing uh, that Jack doesn't have is a really street smart friend because Billy hooks him up with a flop house, hooks him up with a job, essentially like, Josh is in great hands. Jack just needs a really street smart friend who can who can hustle. In, You're right in the in the drug district of New York City. That should have been Lewis. Yeah, no, you're right. And I was thinking about that while watching Big again. We're talking about Big, but when he like takes him to the hotel, you know, sets him up with the room, and then he's like, "All right, well, I'm going to leave. I got to get home by 10:30." And I'm like, "This kid's going to like navigate this pretty seedy looking part of New York after dark. It's like he's it's no thing." And Josh and he is just freaking out about tells him, just flippantly tells him, you better use the chain tonight, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, that kid, that kid's got balls, man. <laughs> yeah. This kid's seen things. And he's wrong all the time. Kid, wrong kid made the wish. We'll put it that way. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, his buddy would have been set. And interestingly, it felt like, and maybe they were going for an Oscar bait movie with this, but interestingly, it felt like this movie went for laughs more often than big, but also actively tried to go for heart. And I feel like it was somewhat successful most of the time in that respect. Again, maybe a little, a little too much though. Like it's a little too, what's the word? Is it saccharine? Overly sweet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Excessively saccharine. Yeah. Yeah. But 
I don't think it's horrible. Like, it's such an odd movie. Yeah, I agree. It's like I said, it's it's a movie that has a definite place in my heart, but it's not a good movie. Like, it's not one I'd be like, oh man, have you seen Jack? And be like, when people are like, no, like I wouldn't look at them and go, what is like, what is wrong with you? But I think I would say that was big. Like if I talked to a person my age and they hadn't seen big, mm-hmm. I think I'd be a little more taken aback than if somebody like Jack, I don't know what that is. You know, I'd well, be like, and, cool. <laughs> and you, Jasper, you were able to watch this on Hulu, right? Yeah. Yeah. And well, big is, is more accessible still too. Like it's definitely the larger movie better remembered i think a lot of it too is the performances like it's one of hank's first really big performances mm-hmm. whereas this jack kind of falls in the middle of robin williams career where he'd already done like dead poet society he was the genie by this point mm-hmm. there's you know a, a lot of things robin williams had already done so it doesn't stand out in his body of work whereas when you think of tom hanks you think oh, okay big turner and hooch uh and uh joe and the volcano you know, those are the, f- the few first things that come to my mind. By this point, Robin Williams, like Robin Williams playing a kid. Well, of course, you're like, you know, right. whereas, yeah, this is definitely uh, in 88. That's definitely in Tom Hanks's initial blowing up stage is like it's mm-hmm. cementing Tom Hanks. I guess my other major criticism of Jack, the score. I hate it. I hate it with a passion. Oh, it's so terrible. Be- yeah. <laughs> Be- because it's that like. And it's been a long time since Michael I watched. Michael Kamen. <laughs> I just looked up who did the music. Was Michael it Michael Kamen? Kamen? It's yeah. that super like goofy comedy score where it like it's almost cartoon level where it goes to like what's happening on the screen like the do, do, do. somebody falls over do, 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 do. and it's like no no yeah. don't do it don't do it please. Don't. It's it sounds like if you would have let Jack Powell score the movie himself. Yeah, it's oh it's super cheesy and the. Maybe movies still do it, but I it's been a long time since I've seen a comedy, but it definitely was a comedy movie thing where it just had this certain kind of score. Mm-hmm. The whole slapstick kind of opening in the hospital, I was that's kind of when I knew I was in trouble. I was like, oh, maybe this yeah, is... Yeah, he's sick as frick. <laughs> this isn't what I... Also, <laughs> oddly, I guess Francis Ford Coppola views this as like a sci-fi movie, which for the most part, I don't see it except... There's a real disease like that, but it's not quite like that. But yeah. what are those robots doing the tests on the baby at the beginning? Right. Yeah. These crazy robot arms and stuff. And I was like, what? What is well, this? I guess have we, we've never really, I guess there's no confirmation of what, I mean, is this supposed to take place in 96? Or is this potentially a movie set in the future? I don't know. It's so hard to say. There's it's, nothing really that tips the hat to either way. They never extrapolate on that. Uh-uh. The, for the sake of my the, the future of this discussion here in a few minutes, it, it definitely takes place in 1996. I, I think that the ending is a little like jarring. I, I never really have cared for the ending where it's just like, oh, it's all good. He decides to go back to school, then hard cut to you know seven years later, he's 80 <laughs> and he's graduating from high school. Uh, while his buddies are going to go off to college, he's going to go off to the nursing home. And like that to me is such a bummer. Like, I think the movie would have been better to just end with like Jack finally finding that acceptance and just thinking, okay, cool. This, this, this kid's going to have a good rest of his life. Instead, they have to hit me over the head with the fact that he's going to die shortly after graduating from high school. Like, yeah, 
and it, I, it is kind of a bummer. And they use it to you're you're right. And they use it to try to reinforce the point of like you know you don't know how long you have, but <laughs> like we kind of got it, or you could deliver it in a in a, a a better way. And yeah, I agree. I think I think a better ending would have just been him going back to class. Like yeah. And that's it. You don't have to. You don't have to hard cut to graduation day, because mm-hmm. you're right. That is depressing. Because up until that moment, the movie isn't incredible. You know, there's a few moments where, like, when he has the heart attack and all that, and it's, oh man, like that's the reality of the fact that yeah, his body's forty, but his mind is you know ten. Which I that's actually awful. think is a pretty good story beat too. I think that's yeah. A good moment. But that then he overcomes that, and it's like okay, cool. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> like any any happiness you had just remember he's gonna die before he gets to go to college <laughs> that's how i took away it's just like it hits you over the head with it like haha at the end it's almost for the yeah like for the sake of trying to give you the viewer a message it's like nah i already got the message like <laughs> thanks again i did also could jack come out and play i did like that scene too like mm-hmm. there's even the cheesy scenes there's cheesy scenes that i do i do appreciate in this movie that was a cool scene I liked it. Although he didn't go out and play. And I'm like, what do you do with Jack? Like after they're out there for like three hours, all the whole cl- school yard it's is like, now in this street playing games. I would have expected he would have. Like, come, come on, on, Jack. They love you, Jack. Come on, Jack. Go out there with your beard. Freak him out. <laughs> I think it's a power. It's a power move. Jack wants them to all know that he's in control. Right. <laughs> the confirmed timeline is 1986, 1996, then 2003 at the end of the movie. So it's not okay. a future, so. so Jack just lived in a really rich neighborhood where they had really expensive nurse robots. Yeah. Well, you give birth to a baby after a month, they bust out the fancy robots. <laughs> so Francis Ford Coppola, he's done a lot of very diverse work. And consistently, I mean, up to a point, he did a lot of movies. And I get, like, he's a big-time director. This kind of director that's done will intentionally do a lot of different stuff. It's just so weird to think of, like, this is a Francis Ford Coppola movie. You know, he's done a ma- some cinematic masterpieces. and But he's also done some less than cinematic masterpieces. I don't know. It's just so strange. It's not poorly directed. I think it looks okay. But it's not, it's not like, expertly directed either. I don't know if there's any truth to it. But, like, at one point, I heard a story that he directed that for, like, his kid, like, his grandkids. Like it was, it was more about doing something that his grandkids could see. And I, I could just be making that up too. I, I don't, I don't have that in front of me, but I kind of vaguely recall that I'm having deja vu thinking about it. That's what all the actors and directors say when they start doing crappy movies. Well, I got to do something <laughs> the kids can watch. Just, yeah, I don't get it from where you go from Godfather to. I think even before Jack, there were a lot of like, there's a lot of movies in between. He's there, just like, uh, just like F it. he's just done a lot of stuff. You know, it's not always a good. That's fine. I don't blame him for getting a crush on J-Lo, though. She was, I get it, but she was super sweet to him. Like, I understand why she wasn't inappropriate, but I get it. Plus, that's like the first non-mom person he's you know ever interacted weird? with. You know what's weird is when I was watching Big and how she was kind of still okay with the, you know, give me, let me give you my number. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, when he asked Jayla to dance, I'm like, she's going to do it. She's going to do it, isn't she? She's going to take it. And then she's like, no, we can't do that. You're my student. And I was like, oh, that's different from the last movie I watched. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you enjoyed this more or less because you'd watched Big before it? I would say less in the fact 
that I thought the story was a lot better and big. Mm-hmm. And it seemed more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. And this one just kind of, like I said, as soon as it kind of took forever to get the story going in this one, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I feel like there's a couple moments that drag. I think Jack decides to stay home for a, a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think that drags on a little long. Okay, guys. Star ratings. I guess I'll go first on this one since I was like held up the last one like so I know long. What it is. This was another one I was actually kind of conflicted on. But I'm going to go ahead and go two. Oh, Jasper, you guessed it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm going to go yeah. two. I'm going to go two. Initially, I was like 1.5. But you know what? I don't think it's that bad. I think I think it's got some moments that work. It's just there's a lot of stuff. It, when it doesn't work, it's not that it just doesn't work. It's like it. Oh, it's so hard to watch. It's so cringy. Some of those kids are just too goofy. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is embarrassing to even look at. So, yeah, I'm going to go too. Like, it's got some okay moments. It's got some stuff that's just not okay. Robin Williams as a kid is good. It's just 10 just seems still seems. And I get what Dustin was saying. Like, I agree, Dustin. He would be in more immature because he's had no exposure to the world for the most part. But it maybe dial back the age he's supposed to be then i yeah i'm not surprised it's almost seems obscure at this point Uh, you can find it you can rent it on streaming services but it's not like streaming on netflix or hulu or anything like that it's a little harder to find so yeah i would give it a yeah i'll go 2.5 i still think the the heart of the movie uh is worth uh going right down the middle of the road but like i said i you know when i was younger i probably would have given this movie a 3.5 uh the Time has not aged this movie well. We'll put it that way. How about you, Jaspi? I was going to give it a three because I'm going to kind of go on the same point that Dustin had where the movie had a lot of heart moments. Mm-hmm. And I liked that, like the treehouse scene and all that stuff. You know, the kids befriending him and stuff. I liked those moments. Again, I kind of took those and kind of put aside my my thought on how long it took the story to get going. So, yeah, I, I give it a 3.5. Or three out of five, excuse me. Three three out of five? Three out of five. There we go. Also interesting note is that this is a very different set of movies than what we've covered on the show so far. We've pretty much dealt it with... Genre stuff. Exactly. Genre stuff. And this is... I mean, we're... Well, I I'm guess about to I, make it. I'm about to make it genre, so you are going to be in for a treat. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get on with it. So, guys... The movie studios, they need something. There's too much action and adventure and explosions and there's too much big bombastic stuff. They want to to scale it down, but they like a little touch of sci-fi. So how about some sci-fi with heart? They they picked up the rights to Big and Jack. How would you combine Big and Jack into one shared cinematic universe? I'm just going to say that if anybody, if no one's title is big jack i i'm throwing your i'm throwing your idea (laughs) (laughs) big jack okay i'm is that going to be your title yes okay well dustin sounds like he's rearing and ready to go i'm really excited about this pitch because i think that there is a lot of money to be made in a big jack shared universe and here's how we get there uh we need to do a prequel where we go back and view the history of Zoltar. Zoltar is actually like the genie in Aladdin was placed in that gaming machine. Uh, was just waiting, just waiting for his mark to show up one day and actually follow through with asking a question when it was unplugged, because when it is unplugged, it runs on voodoo. 
This is a little known fact. They didn't really explore in big, but that machine runs on voodoo. And so when Josh asks to be big, he is given that opportunity at the cost of another. He doesn't realize this because Zoltar is kind of a, a jerk. He at the expense of another and Zoltar picks from any time period he wants. And he has an issue with Diane Lane, her character, because she had had an opportunity. She had had an opportunity to get a wish granted from Zoltar when she was a child. And she had turned it down because she said voodoo and magic isn't real. And so he goes back in time and actually causes at the expense of Jack Powell. Now he has this advanced Werner syndrome and everything would have been okay. The Werner syndrome would have just been normal. But when Josh goes back to reverse his wish, Zoltar extracts a heavy cost. And that's how Jack becomes who he is. Unbeknownst to that character, if we could basically cut the end of the movie off and maybe him and the kids go on like a Goonies style adventure to find the Zoltar machine (laughs) to reverse it. And that could be the end of the trilogy. Uh, I feel like Patton Oswalt in uh, in Parks and Rec right now because they go back, they find Zoltar, they murder Zoltar in the past, and that gets Josh back to being big, and he gets to hook up with Susan in the in like real time. So like 2000, him and Susan have a great life, uh, and Jack gets to live happily ever after. It's all good. Zoltar's gone, but it's all about voodoo. Hopefully that made sense. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I'm on board. All right, Jasper, you look like you're ready. What do you got? Well, I I had an outline. I couldn't figure out how to get it, but I wanted to basically make it to where Jack and Josh meet up. <laughs> Jack, then, since he's, I think, what he'd be, he'd be in his like sixties. He adopted Josh. It was teaching him how to be a kid again, or ch- kid as he still was getting older. But uh, like I said, it didn't piece J- together. Jack I'm sorry. Adopted Josh. <laughs> Yeah, because he's old. He looks older. See what I'm saying? It's okay. it was bad. I had it and I lost. Okay, okay, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Okay, so I can I tried all yesterday to piece it together and I couldn't. It's no, it's it's a little tough. So, man, Dustin's was great, and his is particularly good because you could kind of slot mine into his. So my whole idea was, it's Zoltan, right? Was that what the Zoltar. name is? Zoltar. 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 So. I am Zoltar. I hadn't worked in Tom Hanks's character. He could come in at some point, you know. In fact, he should. Maybe he'll be like the um he'll be the exposition character like he knows about this machine like, you know. Sort of like it's sort of like his character in Angels and Demons or whatever, but like he's not really going to be around. He's like that he he he's been like tra- tracking Zoltar. Yes. For years. Yes, <laughs> yes, because he's an adult by the time Jack happens. Perfect, exactly. But the way I wanted to take it was Diane Lane trying to preserve her little boy forever, of course, naturally, discovers the legend of this Zoltar machine, tracks it down, gets one, brings it home. But we're going to go horror movie because like Dustin's pitch, these wishes aren't free. There's a cost. She can't stop Jack from aging. He's still going to age four times as fast. In fact, every time she wishes him younger, because that's she's going to use the machine to wish him younger again. So he's actually like, his body matches. But every time, he ages a little faster, but also, there must be a life. It costs a life to do this. So it's going to be like Diane Lane's character 
having to hunt down people. It's going to be like Hellraiser, where she's got to track down these characters. Like there must be blood, there must be blood sacrifice to make this happen to keep her boy young. And uh, so it's going to be basically Hellraiser only instead of the one chick and Frank, creepy Frank in there. It's going to be like she's got to sacrifice these random dudes, these strays and stuff to uh, the Zoltar machine to keep Jack young. And that that was my whole premise. (laughs) I love it. That can slot somewhere in Dustin's universe, maybe. (laughs) I feel it. That can be like the like it can be like after we get the Zoltar origin story and the realization that Josh, by proxy, caused Jack's symptoms. uh, And that's maybe then Diane Lane gets the machine. She actually her first blood sacrifice is Josh Baskins at the age of like 36. That's even even better. That's even better. And then I also kind of like the idea of like, she doesn't ever really want Jack to grow up. So she ends up keeping him in a younger body well past. So he ends up like an old man in a young body. So we could eventually go there. So then it ties into Benjamin Button as well. Yeah. And we find out that Benjamin Button is actually a sequel to Jack. I was going to say one other thing too is Diane Lane hasn't aged. So clearly she's been using Zoltar to keep herself young as well. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's right. She can use it. Blood sacrifice every four years or so. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And she seemed fun in that movie. She seemed very fun. (laughs) It's always the fun ones that are creepy and do weird stuff. (laughs) That's true, man. That's very true. (laughs) I I was so glad when I heard your cinematic universe start going there. I was like, whoa, that's that's getting dark. All right. I like it. This is going to (sighs) work. No Cosby? No Cosby in any of these universes? (laughs) Um, no. no, actually, yeah, sorry, um, I forgot. In my uh, universe, Cosby is now the spokesman. Uh, instead of J-E-L-L-O, it's J-A-I-L-O, and he uh, doesn't get to do anything fun because he's in an orange jumpsuit. J-Lo. J- J- well, oh, it's J-Lo. <laughs> <laughs> J-Lo. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the teacher shows up like, no, nope, <laughs> no part of this. Well, okay, in my movie, he'd be the first, maybe the first one to go. Because, you know, he's always coming around. He'd be easy to grab. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. Wow. <laughs> I think that we was, nailed this. That was good. That was fun. That was a good one. This the, Big was a good pick because, and even Jack, even Jack, because they're both are so outside of the range of the movies we've done. You know, and I've been wanting to mix it up a little bit, but I'm glad we mixed it up a little bit with kind of fun movies instead of. I don't know, whatever crap I was going to throw at us. <laughs> I don't know, just something stuck. Uh, and actually, what's ironic is, while well, I was, I had thought of big, and then uh, I had other people trying to pitch to me, like in my office, like, oh, uh, you could tie it to the Matrix. Like the Zoltar machine is actually the first of the machines to rise. And I'm just <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like, wow. There's so many weird things. But, um, Okay, really quick, I will tell you, like, if you guys got to check it out, uh, Snowpiercer and Willy Wonka, the idea is that Ed Harris's character is the boy, grown up. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, check it out. I won't ruin anything else for you, but I can't stress enough how my- mind-blown I was <laughs> when I saw this video. I'll, I'll try to, if I remember, I'll send it to you as a link with all the other stuff I'm supposed to send you. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. No, yeah, do send me. I, I'll, and if nothing else, I'll search it up and I'll include it in show notes to this episode yeah. so people can check it out. There you go. 
do you want to direct anybody to your Twitter or? No, no, no. Hey, if you want to follow me, I, I, I still talk about wrestling. I don't necessarily uh, podcast about wrestling anymore, but if you want to follow me there at Smohawk on Twitter, you know, you're going to get some political wit as well. Uh, so forewarned, if you're not wanting any politics, you might want to stay away from my page. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, Marvel Comics, all sorts of stuff. I'm, I'm pretty geeked uh, for Ralph Breaks the Internet next week. So um, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I do still, if, you, if you're into pro wrestling t-shirts, go to collarandelbowbrand.com. I still have a uh, promo code you can use there, Mothership. I'm still sponsored by them uh, until they find out I don't do wrestling podcasts anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, would this count? You talked about wrestling just now. A I did. Bit, Boom! Of. It does. Yeah, that's like it's probably like the <laughs> the thirty day t- the thirty day championship uh, clause. Like the champion has to defend once every thirty days. Yeah. So as long as I mention pro wrestling in a recorded format, I'm still a wrestling podcaster. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Got you covered, man. Beat the system. Uh, <laughs> And, and we'll just release remixes of your old episodes once in a while. There we go. Ar- arrange it a little differently. <laughs> People will be very confused about what you're talking about. But <laughs> just, I'm going to re-release all my old episodes uh, backwards, though. Um, and you can try to figure out if there was ever any hidden meaning to anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like every episode linked. It's going to take people a while to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You got like 350 episodes of content to run through. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Hey. I'm Randall Sylvie. You can follow me at Randall Sylvie. It's R-A-N-D-A-L-S-I-L-V-E-Y on Twitter. Of course, also at GCU Podcast on Twitter. Or follow our uh, our Papa, our parent cast, uh, Papa? at Grolix Podcast. And also, hey, search us up on iTunes and uh, Google Podcasts and all that because uh, you can get us on our own now if you want. We're, we're uncoupled from Grolix Podcast is what I mean. We are on standalone expansion. We're still on the Grox podcast feed. Season but is over. Yeah. <laughs> and and of course, GrolixPodcast.com. That's where we're at. Go there. Love it. Subscribe to it. Click all the affiliate links. Uh, download everything three times. Make Randy feel good. <laughs> <laughs> he's not joking. Download it. Delete it. Download, download it, it. Delete it. Delete it. Download it. Delete it. <laughs> Just get in the habit. Every Monday, new episode. Do it. Just do it. All right. And tell your friends to do the same. How about you, Jasper? You can find me on Twitter at Caronzo Media, which is K O R A N S O Media <laughs> on Twitter. You'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get the uh, yeah, uh, one day. No, they'll get it. They'll, they'll, they understand. They, they do. Yeah. They understand me. Yep. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and Dustin, thank you for joining us, man. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It was great. I, I, any reason uh, to talk with you guys is always a blast. I enjoy coming on every time you guys have me. And so hopefully I can come back again in the future. We would love it. Especially you keep throwing out good cinematic universes like that. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm still nice. on board with that. It's such a good idea. Somebody just needs to write it and start pitching it to come to places. Like I mean, you really real. don't even have to. You, know, like you can literally just do the Zoltar machine and you could probably come up with a trilogy of movies easily. Would you even need the full rights? You just need the rights to Zoltar machine. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's with Fox. That stuff is getting sold anyway. That's <laughs> so true. I'm sure That's that true. nobody would care. They're just piecemealing that all out. Yeah, they're just... It's like, oh, you want the rights to Big? No, I just want the rights to the Zoltar. Zoltar machine. Oh, $300. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> well, how much would it be if I get Big, too? 200 What? <laughs> <laughs> really, why did the price go down? I don't know. You know what? I'll just take it. <laughs> 
were probably more into J-Lo. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but then like Man of Steel comes out and I'm like, I kind of like looking at Superman's mom. Why is that? Martha. 